Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there, welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Uh, so today is episode four, and uh, what we'd like to do for episode four and five is just to interview each other, um, to give our stories, um, our background kind of with, with drinking, so you get to know um, where we're coming from a bit. Um, so today I'm interviewing Kate. Uh, so hello Kate, how are you? Hi, uh, yeah, I'm all right, thank you. I'm all right, we're, we're sort of... Uh a little bit nervous about sort of talking about it all actually funnily yeah, enough um, and you realize I, d- I haven't actually just sat down and properly just talk talked about it actually not from start to finish I suppose so yeah 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 to write about it is different but to verbalize it I suppose is a different yeah. thing isn't it? yeah so Right. Well, um, I'm just going to ask some questions, all right, and we'll see how it goes. We've got a lot of questions. We might not get through them all, but that, that doesn't matter. So, um, so well, we'll start with the right back at the beginning. So, um, how old are you? When did you start drinking? Well, I was a teenager. Um, I think it was fairly typical, you know, to be a, a, as a UK teenager. And so I think when I went to sixth form college, when I was like 16, 17, we were sort of hanging out in pubs and kind of drinking pints of snake bite in black and faking our ID and going to the poly, local poly and, you know, and stuff like that. So which you can't do anymore. You can't fake your ID anymore. So, so that was kind of when it was a regular almost pastime. A social thing but I do remember a really like um, a kind of standout memory for me was I was younger than that and I must have been about 15 and my brother was getting engaged and he had an engagement party at a house I think it was his fiance's house and I remember um, I was very anxious as a teenager I was, you know, got, I suffered a lot from anxiety and I was kind of just dealing with it, internalising it. I wasn't really, I didn't really know what it was. I just knew I, I felt it all the time. And um, and I remember I was drinking something. I have no idea what we were drinking or what we were allowed to drink, but it was alcoholic. And I remember going to the loo and looking at this kind of flock wallpaper and thinking, wow, I feel happy. And then my second thought was, wow, I feel drunk. And that was like it. It was like the connection between I feel better, I feel happy, and I feel drunk. Literally, I can. It's as clear as day to me. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm wow. laughing about that, but that was a really clear kind of connection for me. Um, yeah. So then, just kind of, you know, uni. I don't think I drank particularly that much, but I was very much a binge drinker. It was like I'll go out on Friday night and drink pints and pints and smoke ten fags, and then you know probably wouldn't do it for the next few days so I, I was just kind of a social binge drinker really and um so would you describe those early years as, as happy drinking then I don't know because I just I wasn't particularly happy so um <laughs> not really I think it was just what we did so it was unconscious and the mm. times were sort of generally good when I was pissed I was enjoy enjoying myself yeah if that's what you mean and then I didn't certainly any of the feelings I didn't particularly link anything to alcohol at that time there wasn't a connection being particularly made you know I didn't suffer from hangovers I can remember my first hangover probably in my third year at university so there wasn't that sort of feeling you get later on where you're like oh my god I'm literally dying for a whole day I mean we just you know didn't have that so so if you're on reflection looking back do you, do you recognise any signs of problematic drinking from that time? Yeah, I think the, the, the toilet incident where I my brain literally built a kind of neural pathway the size of the M1 between drinking and happiness <laughs> was probably a pretty good signal. <laughs> Sorry, I'm really laughing inappropriately. God, uh, and, that's fine. And yeah, and I think, but again, I don't know, I think it was just sort of the culture of the time was very binge drinking orientated. I mean, you drank to get pissed. But so I suppose 
But looking back, that's an overall unhealthy pattern, isn't it? And I think the the, the underlying mental health thing about being sort of anxious and obsessive and then it all going away when I drank that I mean that now that's like, oh, okay, that's that's not going to that's not going to end well, particularly, is it? Um, Yeah. And that there was a definite propensity with me to let loose. I was very controlled, very um you know good I was like did my homework on time and got my essays in and it was considered and all the rest of it and so when I drank it was like a pressure valve went off and I could release all the pent up whatever it was and the emotions and anything so I think I was actually using it from a very early age I just wasn't just drinking and enjoying it I was actually using it from from a a teen being a teen yeah. And how did uh, becoming a, a mother change your relationship with alcohol? Well, then fast forward like 20 odd years. Um, I think for becoming a mum, it was... See, I think I was kind of stuck in that kind of teenage kid kind of role until I had kids, really, because I we were, you know, musicians and going out to parties and uh, and it was a very social thing. Um, so it, uh, and a lot of people were doing it uh, uh, still and I, I end up sort of hanging out with people who were about five years younger than me so I think I kind of sort of carried that on and then when I became a mum obviously there was the pregnancy when you can't drink for the first few months and that was like that was an eye-opener actually to me because I really struggled I was so angry and more than just like oh um that sort of an imposition it was almost like I didn't know who I was I was like wow I can't I can't drink I actually didn't know what I was going to do with myself or how I was going to manage my emotions and I felt really angry and and stifled and I mean there is that thing of the, the hormones and just the physicality of being pregnant didn't didn't fit because I was always like I like was very active as well like dancing and like loads of exercise so I was just I was not pregnancy didn't really suit me <laughs> for many reasons yeah. and then obviously then having babies it oh god just everything changed really and I felt very good when I uh, first had my first one because I hadn't actually been pissed, I had I did drink in my pregnancy after the first trimester, but it was very moderate. It was just a glass here and there, um, and very controlled. And I hadn't smoked either because I only smoked when I uh, when I got pissed, basically. And um, and so I was actually started off obviously very excited, had a new baby, and I thought, oh, actually, I haven't got a problem. I've just proved that. I've just been for nine months. I haven't had a single hangover, and I was like, woohoo. I'm like I'm really really great and then about a month in I'd stopped you know six weeks it must have been because I stopped breastfeeding and um and I sat outside on this fire escape we were living by the sea at the time or in in an apartment and we had um this sort of fire escape and I sat out there and the baby was sleeping and I drank a bottle of wine and I was with my husband smoking rollies and I just thought oh I'm back to me I was like oh here I am but the guilt when I the next morning I felt really guilty because I felt interestingly now I look back I can piece all this together I felt like I'd abandoned uh, my son because I wasn't actually present and I that's the first time I hadn't been present for the entire time so that was really interesting and then just briefly I suppose um, my husband was working late at night um, on newspapers so I was left sort of holding the baby and just feeling incredibly sort of isolated and then still really kind of wanting a couple of beers in the evening or a glass of wine and then I started feeling really guilty and that was when I was starting to drink on my own because I was stuck in so that really changed so that those are the initial changes I think and um i mean did you have a rock bottom moment or i mean what what happened to kind of where did the journey go next i think yeah so then i had my second child and again i you know very minimal drinking when i was pregnant so again i was like okay i'm all right we moved um and started renovating a house moved to a town that i didn't know anyone and at first it was really exciting and it was really great and then i just became very very lonely and i realized i was very isolated 
and so I still very much saw alcohol as my kind of reward and treat and kind of what I did but now I was just having a couple of glasses of wine while I cooked dinner and and then I started to look forward to that much much more um and I was I think now I look back I was very depressed because I was so isolated and I was quite bored yeah. as well. And my tod- my son was a toddler and quite really, really challenging. I had a baby. I was on my own, no family around. So, you know, the support wasn't there. And at that point, I think my drinking definitely took a, a more sinister turn from being the quite, not I don't think healthy, but very socially acceptable kind of party drinking to on my own. And like, I really started to look forward to it and start thinking about it about midday I'd go well am I drinking or am I not and then I'd sort of if I was I couldn't wait to crack open that bottle I'd have to wait till like six o'clock or five o'clock whenever I was cooking whatever my and then I'd say well I'll just have one glass because you know I could still drive if the kids anything awful happened I could drive and then I'd be gagging for another glass of wine so then sometimes I'd be able to not and then sometimes I would more often than not I'd have another glass and then I realized I couldn't drive and um then also I think I started having accidents as well so I I cut like sort of half of my thumb off chopping the cabbage and I fell over and it just was like okay I'm in my 40s I'm not noticing that I'm drunk probably because I'm in my home environment and it's very familiar I think we we lose those cues of kind of how drunk we might be when people are very familiar and our surroundings are so actually, maybe if I'd been out and I'd had three glasses of wine, I'd be like, oh, I'm actually quite, like... That's interesting. I hadn't ...pissed that, there. Yeah. But at home, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't clock that I was, so then I might drink more, and then I'd have... I had started having minor accidents. And at that point, I think... I just was really desperate. I was like, like, this is... The hangovers are horrendous. So I, um, I took myself off to my doctor and I said, look, I think I've got a problem with alcohol. And she was really good and said, oh, why don't you... And said I should go to Ad Action. But I had a bit of a problem because I couldn't, didn't have any childcare, so I couldn't actually go and see mm-hmm. anyone. And in the end, I found some childcare and we managed to afford it. And I went off to, uh, to Ad Action. And <clears throat> it was kind of useful, but they ended up suggesting moderation to me. And I'd gone for help before, I think that's part of our conversation before, um, uh, when I lived it, um, yeah, by the, in Brighton. And I'd gone to the doctor before when uh, my son was, was young, like a baby. And I'd said to that doctor, look, I think I'm, you know, I'm drinking probably about 20 to 25 units of alcohol a week. So it wasn't massive amounts on the spectrum of what UK people drink. But... Yeah. It was, I just was like, I knew that I wasn't happy with it. I felt guilty. I felt hungover. Like, it was all starting to get really negative. And once again there, they sort of looked at how many units I drank and the fact that I could moderate a few times a week, but then I'd go, you know, go over the top. And they always were just like, I'm sure you could, you know, if you just tweak it and if you really count your units and all the rest of it, you can moderate. So I didn't, it didn't occur to me to be, sober and I got that mar- mirrored back at me so I got Do you think more... if they'd said to you oh, you should stop you would have stopped I don't know to be honest I really don't know I think the second time at ad action I think that I was so low then if they'd sort of said it would be a great thing for you to stop actually we know that you can you seem to be able to moderate at these points, but that it's not consistent. And if I'd known a bit more about the grey area of drinking, had a bit more information, yeah. it's probably, you know, you might become dependent, you might not. However, this isn't going well for you. Rah, 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 rah. Rather than just sort of fit this almost checklist, yeah. I think m- maybe I would. Um, <clears throat> I don't think that I... I think finding finding support and camaraderie was absolutely the linchpin for me um we're going to go on to that aren't we so what did you ask me did you say i did have a rock bottom yeah um i don't really i don't really agree with the phrase rock bottom because i think that you it's really um you know it's very subjective and also it also but you know we're supposed to have a rock bottom to be able to give up drinking 
you know, and there's almost that expectation of, I see people on the site go, but I haven't had a rock bottom, so, you know, maybe I don't need to give up drinking. And it's just the wrong question, I think, for for many people. But I had two... A, a collection of incredibly dark times and one of those times I found so bristers and it was a I was decorating the hallway and I um thought oh I'll have a beer because I you always sort of made me I used to think I enjoyed decorating with having a beer but I didn't I would tolerate decorating but only if I had a beer right so <laughs> And my husband was working and I started, the kids had gone to bed, so I was like, la, 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 I had a beer, I had another beer. And then I was like, and I'd only got beer in the house, I hadn't gone to get wine because I thought, well, I won't drink tonight, I don't really want to drink, but then I'd fancied a beer. And then I was like, went looking for something to drink and I'd, somebody had given us a bottle of Taboo and I had no idea what that tasted like and I never drank spirits. It's, I still don't really understand what it is, it's some kind of 1980s awful kind of mixed fruit and alcohol something or other tropical I I don't know but it's rank yeah and um so I ended up drinking this taboo and then I realized like like, then I realized I was quite pissed and I'd gone to a neighbor and and asked for fags off them which was really kind of humiliating and I always used to kind of do that when I'd because I never obviously I was never going to smoke and I was never going to smoke again until I'd had a few drinks and I was like oh I really want a fag so I did kind of do things like that, which would make me feel really sort of skanky and horrible. And um, and then I realised that I had drunk 17 units of alcohol, sort of on my own decorating. And I woke up at three in the morning and I was, I just went, fuck, that's just not good. Sorry, excuse my language. I was just like this, I can't, I can't be here again. I can't feel this anxious and can't be up at 3am because that's the other thing I haven't said I used to just go round and round and round in circles so many diary entries saying I'm going to give up drinking I hate drinking this was sort of in the latter years I suppose from maybe from about 36 when I was about 36 I was going to give up drinking every week so I went on and on and on and I was like I can't I just can't I can't I just can't it's just kind of too painful and I so I googled am I an alcoholic again and so Bristers popped up and it was the first time it, I hadn't seen this site that was just recovery, scary, sort of really ugly websites with really harsh messages that, that just put me off and that made me go, well, I'm sure I'm sure I'm not really ready for rehab sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's not really me. And I was like, oh, OK. So I clicked on it and then you could blog and I read a bit and I was desperate and probably still a bit drunk. So I blogged for the first time in my life I'd never I've barely touched Facebook at the time I never tweeted I just was so uh, um you know uh what's the word I just had no experience with anything like this and I and I blogged and I and I wrote this blog just sort of saying you know I've not nothing dreadful's happened I see so many blogs like this now over the years like you know I've never lost my driving license I've got kids I'm happily married um, never lost a job, never missed a day's work, being hungover. But I think there's a problem, and I can't go on like this. And da, da, da. but I, I said I, I, I put in my blog, oh, I don't have much faith that I'm going to be able to do this. But then I've been, I might be able to do it because I've been utterly convinced I'll never drink again, like every single week, and I've not managed it. So maybe this time it will be different. But I had, like, I just had zero confidence or faith I just was like man I've got nothing to lose almost feeling and then when I woke up in the morning I logged on and there were like about eight comments from people just going oh my god we totally hear you welcome to the site you won't regret it just put one foot in front of the other do a day at a time that you just get through your trigger times why don't you read this book and honestly I feel a bit emotional when I'm talking about it I actually do because it's just like right okay I've got a lifeline, some people get me and I realised how lonely I was, how I couldn't ever, every time I spoke to anyone, you know, they go, don't be so hard on yourself, you know, you just, it was just, it was sort of, yeah, and that was it, I was like, right, I can do this, I'm doing this and it wasn't easy, it was like, right, okay, sort of one, like I say, one day at a time kind of thing and whilst I read all the books that I could get my hands on, 
and so made friends. You, yeah, yeah. Mm. How did you approach the first three months? I mean, what were your key things that sort of helped? <clears throat> Making the friends, writing. I think I realised that yeah. therapeutically, I needed to write and get that feedback, and that was almost like group therapy, I suppose. It was like a group mentoring kind of approach. Making friends, I quite quickly made a friend who was at a really similar time to me and then we decided to email each other. So we used to, yeah, like old-fashioned pen pals, I suppose. Um, I read Jason Vale's book, um, How to Quit Drinking Easily. I Lucy Rocker's book, who that made sense to me that it was like, oh, a relationship. And that as soon as I'd worked that one out, I was like, oh, of course, you know, I, I totally get it now. Jason yeah. Vale was brilliant because I was like... I didn't fit all the criteria for, like we've spoken before about black, the black area of drinking, the, the rehab, the alcoholic and all of those and being in recovery. I didn't quite fit all of that, that, that. And he was just like, no, it's a drug. It's marketed at you. It's a load of rubbish. Yeah. And I'd done Alan Carr to give up um, smoking. So I understood that whole like reframing how we see drugs and how we use them and stuff like that. So that was very good. And I read Jack Trimpney rational recovery which is about the addictive voice and I yeah I just I was glued to the site and I just literally you know got through I had to get through the trigger times and that was definitely five to seven and and I realized it was an absolute revelation to me that how I felt at five I wouldn't feel like that at ten if I just yeah. didn't drink by half seven I wouldn't feel like that and my feelings would move by themselves and they would sort themselves out and what I'd always done is I feel crap I'm going to have a drink so I hadn't I hadn't witnessed my own the process of my feelings or how they just leave them alone and sometimes they just change and you'll feel entirely different you know I was like wow gotta wait it out yeah sure. yeah wait it out and often just sort of go to bed um I got into hot chocolate in a really big way with squirty cream on top I took all the rules off my eating because I was always a bit like what they called, um, you know, drinkorexic. I think Polly, yeah. whatever, Vernon coins that phrase in Grazia where she was like, I'll save up my calories for wine. I think actually she doesn't drink now, strangely. That was like, yeah, I used to do that. So I was like, I actually felt like that was amazing because I was like, I can eat whatever I want. I don't drink, right? I cannot be mean to myself. I don't have to, like, hoover right now because I don't drink I don't drink and that's all I have to do <laughs> so I got really into that and actually I just felt really really good I have to say the trigger times were hard but the, the other times I was just like man like you know but after a couple of weeks I was like yeah I, I just sort of gave myself permission to just do that and it really made me aware of how much I load on myself so when I wasn't I was actually very happy so, um, and yeah. how about uh, the reaction of other people? How did you tell people? How did people react at the beginning? So, I didn't really tell many people. I, like I said, you know, I'd moved to this new town. I was scared actually, I was very protective of what I told people because I'd had so much of the you're not that bad. And I was like, I can't hear anything negative or I can't hear you're not that bad because. I can't hear anything that's going to make me doubt this. I was like, I won't a a allow any thought in my head that would make me question this. You know when they people say NQTD, like never question the decision? That's what I did. I was like, for the first time in my life, I am properly, mentally, totally bullheaded and I will not enter any conversation where anyone challenges me on this. So for that, I sort of, I suppose, looking back, I really protected it. I was like, no, nah, you're not coming near that. So I didn't really tell people for the first time. I think it was about a month in I told my husband because and mainly he'd heard me say, oh, I'm going to give up drinking so many times that I didn't want, I, didn't, I almost didn't want to cheapen it by it being that old chestnut. I wanted him to see me doing it. So after about a month, I said, I haven't drunk for a month. I'm not drinking anymore. And he was like, wow, that's amazing. You're really doing it this time. Like, you're putting your money where your mouth is. And he, he saw me doing it. And he was like, he just basically sort of said, how, how can I support you? He was amazing. Got rid of the wine in the house. And he only drinks, like, he still drinks. He drinks cider. But, um, yeah, he was just amazing, really. 
then what I would do is if I went anywhere I would tell one person I'd have like a wingman or a wingwoman so I'd let that person know that I wasn't drinking so that if anything awkward came up that they could kind of change the subject or something so I, I yeah so I like so I went to my aunt's um farm and all my cousins go there at Christmas and I that was always very boozy loads of cocktails and all the rest of it so I phoned her and I sat and I and I fessed up I said look I'm doing this and I this these are the reasons so and she was amazing she was just like that's just fantastic I think I was just really lucky as well I think family were just very supportive and my old friends were very supportive they didn't really understand but they love me and they were like right that well that's fine you we just we're with you then <laughs> you know go go Kate so. yeah I think it's, a, it's a, the case of if you're you know if you're quite frank and just <clears throat> sort of clear about it that helps people too because I mm-hmm. tend to just sort of like sort of be a bit blase just no I'm not drinking kind of thing and, mm. and people wouldn't understand but when you just say oh, I'm not drinking because duh 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 People are like, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'm not going to challenge you on that. I tell you what, when I was first, when I first gave up, we had a massive family reunion in Ireland. It's Dave's family. Oh, sorry, I've mentioned Dave's name instead of my husband. Um, And it was, um, so we were about, I don't know, it was about 30 of us went over to Ireland for a weekend. And there was lots of social stuff and lots of dinner parties. And, you know, that was like everyone was drinking. And I remember posting on Cybristus just going, telling people I've got this this thing coming up. And one of my friends at the time said, look, if you do crumble, don't worry, because I don't know how anyone could deal with a three-day Irish reunion without drinking. And I was like, no, I'm not going to. But I felt like I was going to have a stroke the whole time. I was so, so... I just thought everyone was looking at me thinking, you're no fun, because I would have used used to have been like, well, hey, you know, up for the crack, and, you know, it's part of my identity, and I just felt so uncomfortable and I remember my husband saying to me the first the first time we were we were going to go out to this um this big family presentation in this golf club and I said I think I'm going to have to drink and he was like this was the Friday night this is when we got there and he went why and I went because I'm really scared and he went he just said that's so shit that's a shit excuse he was like drink if you want to drink if you're going to have fun drink if it's going to be a party, but don't drink because you're scared. That's just shit, right? <laughs> that was all he said to me. So I sat and I went, yeah, that's, that is really, that's, isn't it? And yeah. so I didn't. And that, if he'd gone, yeah, I think you should, yeah, come on. I don't think, I think that was my weak point where I was like, uh, okay, if I cave now, that would have been it. And I wouldn't have done that that year sober. I just wouldn't. But he, you know, he, he got me over that. And the rest I think of the, time, the thing yeah. is that people, you know, people forget and they, they don't give themselves credit for is how fragile they are. I mean, oh, if God, you're getting yeah. to that point, you're coming out of a, a, a place which is you're extremely, extremely fragile. Mm. And, you know, you do, you have to wrap yourself up in quite a wall a bit and, you know, close the shutters down. You yeah. can't be out there partying and doing like everything like normal. You know, you need no. to give yourself a break to kind of build your strength because mm. we get to a point where you you know, you, you are logging onto these and you are making these decisions, then, you know, you're, you're fragile, you know. Definitely. And I, I think that I really like what how Rebecca Weller framed it. She often encourages her clients to just do an initial 100 days. And for that, it's almost like being pregnant. It's like, just take everything else off, eat what you like, but try and be healthy. Any social things that come up, if it's not a hell yeah, it's a hell no. I mean, I've totally adopted that. Mm. You don't have, it's not forever, but while you're getting through these very, very early days, and so for the most of it, that's what I did. I didn't socialise. I watched Dallas. I don't tell anyone, but basically (laughs) I found Dallas reruns, and I think it was like gold. And I watched it from the beginning every night, and I think it lasted me about nine months, and just kind of drank hot chocolate and I wouldn't speak to anyone didn't phone anyone I logged on to Soberistas and that's literally what I did I was very intimately involved with Dallas and what they were doing (laughs) 
<laughs> Dallas got me it. sober. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> Downton Abbey got me sober. So you'll, you'll have, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, I do often say, like, if I hadn't have found Netflix, yes, like, indeed, you know, Netflix saved my life because <laughs> it, it was something. It was it was something to do with my evening. Mm. It was just like, you know, what am I going to do? Like, and that thing of just kind of flicking through channels and not, you know, when your your brain is so sort of lost and all you want to do is just have a glass mm. of wine, like. Yeah, thank yeah. God I like literally just sort of box setted it through. Yeah, box sets are amazing for early, what I'm saying, recovery. Because I think it's like that. I realised as well, I suppose, I used to say to Dave, because he'd, he'd be like, oh, for God's sake, what are you watching? I don't know, Grey's Anatomy again. And I I would like to go, look, I don't watch TV. I don't graze. I don't flick. I don't do it. I very specifically now watch one episode of whatever it is I'm watching. And it's literally like I like download the files in my brain while I'm doing it because it's just I, I totally switch off and I know some people are a bit like oh Netflix is the new heroin <laughs> or something and a bit anti all the capitalist Netflix is I'm just like look you know whatever whatever works do you know what I mean yeah. just like you're not drinking you're not poisoning yourselves so allow yourself to fucking watch America's Next Top Model if you want it's like do you know what I mean life's too yeah. short so yeah, yeah. Anyway. Okay, so so you just you did mention you did a first year sober. Yeah. So that means that there was an a next. Yeah. So so what happened next? Like Right, you, I you now did I, go back to drinking. I did, and, yeah. And I think really I think it was a couple of things. I think that I didn't have the knowledge I didn't have the toolkit actually for the whole of the well being and my mental health actually and I think after a while after so I think if I'm honest after about six or seven months of sobriety I'd had enough I was just like no I'm gonna do a year but I was just really cross about it and I remember the sun coming out and me sitting out in the garden just thinking I just want to have a beer or a shandy like you know it would all started that chatter had started I still was seeing it as a reward and I was still feeling stressed. I'd started to pile things back on. I was working. I was expecting myself to write a book. I was... I had lost the ability to prioritise my kind of well-being in the way that I did in my early sobriety. All the bad old habits that kind of probably led me to drink in the first place had come back. And I hadn't... And I was expecting myself to be superwoman. And I still really have to watch that. Um, so then after the summer holiday, what happened? I had my husband's 40th birthday, which was a massive event. My daughters, we did something else. I had a, f- a sober holiday, which I found incredibly difficult. And then I had the summer holiday and I've realised that that is a massive trauma to me. <laughs> the summer holidays. I'm like, I just like don't have any time for myself. It's like catapulting me right back to early motherhood where I can't even go to the toilet I'm like my brain's in meltdown they're arguing and I'm just like I really can't bear it I can't I've said it I can't stand it (laughs) there you go I'm a bad mum and um but you know love them as I do it's just like not having a break and I think also like you know being a bit still a bit isolated in this town which is definitely sort of changing that's much better um there was other another thing where I had a huge financial sort of crisis as well. Where um, it's a long, really long story, but we were really I was very badly let down at a particular place of work. So there were a few things that kind of got on top of each other and stressed me out so much. I had a stomach ulcer, and by the end of the summer holidays, I was like, it would be better. I think I'm going to have to go on antidepressants. Or I'm going to have a breakdown, or I should just have a bloody glass of wine. And it, and having a glass of wine seemed like the best option out of all of those. So I did. had a glass of champagne after my daughter's birthday, and I really hated it. It tasted disgusting. I hated the feeling of it. But and what I didn't realise is a bang, immediately the booze chatter started. It was literally instantaneous, and I thought, oh, my God. So then I didn't drink for a month, and then I did. And then I didn't drink for a month, and I did. Then I didn't drink for a month, and I did. And it was literally like I'd drink once or twice a month, but trying to get back, really missing the community. I felt like I couldn't blog because I didn't want to go, well, actually, you know, most of the time it's all right. Or I didn't want to fudge it in any way, and I felt such a failure. 
So I was, I was really. Say, so what happened with your connection with Soberista yeah. at that time? Did you so stop I'd blog, blogging? Or? Well, I would generally respond to people rather than blog. And then when I was convinced that I wouldn't um, drink, then I might I might do a blog. And then so that went on for about a year. And then I was like, you know what, I'm really fed up with this. And, you know, to the outside, it would probably have looked all right. It was drinking once or twice a month. It, it didn't, but internally... I really missed the clarity, my mental health went, my strategies, all the kind of stuff that I was doing generally, the yoga and positive, you know, all the good stuff seemed to, to go. If I decided to drink, that seems to go. And that, and I didn't really understand why. Um, so I logged on and I did um, um, a course, uh, Sexy Sobriety, which was an amazing coaching course, which totally reframed and got me really into self-care. And that was it, really. I knew from that 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 I would, you know, that 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 was the toolkit that I ne I needed to put together. So I think my last I'm coming up to. My last drink was on the twentieth of July two thousand and where are we now? Eighteen. So that was two thousand sixteen. Yay! So yay for that. And that day, I, it was my sister-in-law's birthday, and. I had gone up to London for it and I was really, really, there was a, a bit of family stuff going down at the time and I just remember feeling really, really stressed and we went out to a secret cinema thing to see Dirty Dancing and it was lovely, we were all dressed up 1950s and I was like, shall I drink, shall I drink? So I was very much in that, in that when I was not, like when I was sort of moderating, I was like, well, yeah. I might not drink tonight and that was very different than before. Um, but I had, I was like, fine. And then it was like literally a starting gun going off. I just drank and then I wanted to smoke and all I could think about was getting fags because they didn't sell them there. And it was just like, it took me away from what I was doing and the other people and I was just thinking about drinking and smoking. And then we got back and we went to this, uh, an off-licence, a late-night shop or whatever, and I bought some fags and they were a tenner. I was like, <laughs> I'd been so used to nicking fags off people. I was like, how did they become a tenner? I must have not bought any since 1990. Do you know what I mean? Like, I thought they were about £3. And um, I woke up in the morning and I was so, so, so desperately hungover. It was so hideous. And I had to get, I couldn't get on public transport. I couldn't get on the tube to go home. I was having panic attacks so badly. And I was like, this never changes. This never, you know, you're talking about a rock bottom. I think if there was ever one, it was, it was that day. I was like, such a stark reality that nothing about this ever changes. If I have alcohol, I'm always back to that at some point. I'm always back yeah. to that. And it's the opposite. And I went home and I had to, it took me ages because I couldn't get on a tube because I was having a panic attack and I went and lay on this beach with my family and I felt like a ghost it was the most beautiful day I just felt like a shell and then someone had recommended Tara Brack to me who does um, the reign of self-compassion and takes you through an exercise where you kind of be, are able to kind of connect with yourself and again I was like oh bloody inner child stuff bugger off you know before that I was mm. like I didn't really understand it all and I sat and I listened to The Reign of Self-Compassion on YouTube and did the exercise. And I started crying and I felt like, I, it's going to sound so corny, but I felt like I found myself. I was like, she's there, she's there. And I was like, wow. And I went to my husband, I was like, I can't drink because when I drink, I disconnect from her and I can't find her for a week. The shame is too profound. The illness is too profound. And I can't do that to her again. I was going like this to my husband and I thought, oh, you're going to think I'm mental. And he was like, I, he was like, of course, I totally understand now what it's like for you. That makes total sense to me. And that was it. I haven't drunk since. <laughs> it's yeah. like, wow, that really quite a seminal moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's really interesting that, that to have that kind of response from him too, mm. you know, just kind of, you know, like you you connected so it connected the dots yeah. for, for every, everything and everyone around yeah, you exactly once I could properly verbalize it once I could articulate it yeah. and I understood it then I was like that is why and it obviously had a truth and an authenticity for me that no it wasn't because I think I'm an alcoholic it wasn't because I think this it wasn't that it was like this is how it is for me this is my yeah. truth and people could hear my truth 
yeah. utterly and I can hear my truth. So, you know, maybe that is, but a rock bottom or maybe it's a, an epiphany. I don't know what it is, you know, but it was profound, mm. you know. And how has sobriety affected you socially, relationships, being a parent, friendships, stuff like that? Because obviously that's something that people worry about. I just think, I think that there's a very few, a very small minority of people who have kind of fallen away. Um, I think my friendships have got better because I think I'm more... Again, it's that sort of being authentically me. Like my, I could go on about, you know, all the cliches about having boundaries, about saying, as a parent, I'm much more confident. And I know that, you know, we talk regularly about our parenting and the challenges that we face. And I've had a particularly a big challenge this week. But I know that I'm putting my best foot forward and that I, if I have a, a reaction to something, then I generally do. It means my boundaries, you <laughs> know, my buttons are being pushed. And it's not because I'm hungover or, or I'm drunk. I'm not kind of letting things slide because I just want to go and have a glass of wine in the in the garden or something, you know. I'm not shirking it. And um, so as a parent, I think 100%, I, oh God, it's just so much better and not having to deal with the hangovers and just that sort of peace of mind, you know, just of being sober and never not putting them at risk you know and that's so fundamental and it's so big you know so there's there's nothing that can touch that for me and a relationship like I said you know I think my husband misses that late night hedonism sometimes but I think the overarching experience of not then having to deal with me every single week going I'm so hungover I'm never gonna drink again you know when I went back to moderating I had that conversation kept, but came back in and he was a little bit like, oh God, you know? And I was like, well, I thought you wanted me to drink. <laughs> but it's like all the shit that goes with it, you know? And I think I'm, we don't have the, you know, we used to have um, drunken arguments and now I just, I can, I'm so much more skillful in terms of sorting issues out and not letting things reach fever pitch and ignoring them you know if some stuff needs to be dealt with it needs to be dealt with and we can listen i can listen better and i can articulate yeah. better and with my friends you know my friends are just they're just excellent and they've a, a lovely thing was realizing that i'm just a knob anyway you know what i mean <laughs> like i will be the last one dancing generally and be up for the crack and I'm more confident because I'm not thinking... I've re just really laughed really loud because I actually think that's really funny, not because I'm drunk. And I would always be slightly hawking on myself when I was drinking, thinking, am I being a twat? And I'm like, yes, I am being a twat now, but at least it's yeah. genuinely <laughs> being a twat. My twat hood. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, all the social stuff is just so much better. I really like it. And I like sensing the change. I genuinely like that weird change from day to night and sensing the atmospheres change and seeing I, I almost like I don't know how to say it again I feel like I tune into things on on a slightly different frequency now and more subtle and I sense the energy I sound like a hippie like sense the energy changing in the evening and I sense my own response I think as a body and an animal going towards the night time and the moon and I I got I, I get quite high off all of that and I think alcohol actually just numbed a lot of my the information coming through for me which I genuinely really like so but that's like much when better you, you look at how a child reacts to things you know they react with things with pure joy don't they they react with that's things so with true. pure anger pure frustration mm. and fear too but when it's joy you know it's it's it's, it's so high isn't it and, and wonderment yeah that's that that's how we came yeah, into this yeah. world and then all of a sudden you know we get older and we try and numb all these things away but yeah when you feel something it's like ah like everything's yeah, crisper it is, yeah. isn't it? It's brighter and it's crisper and it's... And, yeah, those highs when they come and those just sometimes, you know, the goosebump moments or when you've really connected with someone or, you know, I don't know, you make a new friend like you. You just It's just like it's just brilliant, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's lovely. So, yeah. So what's the most important lesson you've learned about <clears throat> yourself and your relationship with alcohol? That I think... I suppose that mathematical equation that I put it down to, which was me plus alcohol equals an unhappy me, 
and that won't ever change that's just maths that's like you know Stephen Hawking's writing a mathematical equation that you know is absolutely right um, and maybe that's just because it's been tested the hypothesis have been tested enough times for it to become a proper theory and a real reality and to frame it positively I'd say you know me plus me minus the alcohol so m minus a plus the good stuff all the self-care and all the stuff I've learned to do equals a really happy me you know like the the just the mental health and the peace of mind the clarity the the feeling of pride as well, you know, because this week was a real challenge, as you know, which I'll probably mm. talk about at some point. I don't think I could have dealt with the situation with more integrity or more bravery, right? So I can really give myself a pat on the back for that. So it wasn't yeah. easy, but I come out of that feeling almost better than I went in because I'm like, well, you know what, that's muscles. And I'm like, you know, I dealt with that okay. And mm. I don't think I would have had... The resources to deal with that when I was drinking I thought I don't think I'd have done done the same thing I don't think I'd have had the clarity I'd probably tried to chicken out of dealing with it so yeah. I think that I think that confidence as well and just you know again so I've really gone on but uh, just just knowing it, it's lovely in the early days you know you're so used to drinking and you've been relying on it for so for so long that there's a lot of faith and uh you know involved and you have to just sort of trust it and really work it and it doesn't feel necessarily good you might have, it doesn't feel good like deep down really really authentically like I'm not really having to work at this most of the time it just is my truth now but it wasn't and I think those are just repetition neural pathways good habits you know what I mean that's as simple as that you've just got to work it work it and work it and then you get to the gold because it's again it's almost like science you know it's a, almost a scientific process but so I think now you know having done it for long enough I'm getting to really reap those sort of dividends uh, is there know. is there anything you miss I did, actually didn't even want to ask this question but anything I miss okay. no because I've separated out alcohol from every other association because it's um, I had to do that really early on, and actually, that's the truth. So, I miss a younger, a younger hedonistic me sometimes, but that doesn't necessarily mean drink. I sometimes miss fun if I've not put enough fun in, but that doesn't mean drinking. Um, I sometimes miss a moment of uh, camaraderie and sisterhood, say, with my best friend. That's because I haven't phoned her up. That's not alcohol. Do you know what I mean? There's lots of things that whenever something comes up and there's a gap, it's like, oh, well, what does what do I need to do then? Obviously, I've got a little need come up or a want. So I don't now associate alcohol with any of that. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's really good. Mm. Uh, how I don't know, quite hand was... on heart. It, 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 come, it got to the point with me where it was just not a happy thing so for me to kind of go oh and have rose tinted I'm like I won't allow myself the kind of indulgence of that because yeah. it was too well, rotten for me the question like, <laughs> but yeah. you know I think people just need interesting. to know that, that, yes. that you have to you know that, that, that ultimately you know if you're ever going to be free from mm. any kind of uh, you know negative relationship you need to think it's bad like you know, I yeah. don't want to smoke, I don't want to drink. Mm. Yeah. I don't miss either of those things, so I don't do those things and I don't crave them. You know, no, but exactly. that's all the mind work, isn't it, to get to that point. <clears throat> yeah, and, it, and it's those neural pathways, isn't oh. it, and that positive yeah. reinforcement. And doing the other reward things, so, like, you know, understand. I think, I mean, information for me has just helped so much it's like to learn about it so it's like almost ammunition isn't it so learning about the neural pathways and understanding that actually you've got to repeat a pattern for a habit for six weeks and then it starts feeling easier if you know that then you're like okay that's going to be some power isn't it in that in that knowledge if I know that in three years time because I'll have repeated this and worked these particular strategies say I found that yoga works or running that I know that's going to work. I'm going to have positive results. And I, I just think that all of that... Um, I can't even remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> mm. 
yeah, all those things, yeah, all mm. those things help to change your mentality. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah, and it's that neuroplasticity, isn't it? As well, it's it's the fact that your mindset can change just because you're stuck in a particular. Again, I'll use that word. That story is that's a that's like a repetition of pattern, and it's a repetition of dialogue. It does. It's not set in stone. It can change. You know, your yeah. your one of your core beliefs that was probably set when you're. They say that a lot of those your your core values are set when you're seven, and then by about twelve they won't. They don't shift that much. So by the point you you were twelve, your core value wasn't to get pissed. Mm. So you know, it's not that close to the centre. It's somewhere else out there, not not fundamentally part of you, even though it can feel so fundamentally part of you. But that's just behavioural and, you know, not uh, interacting with an addictive substance. So Yeah. To be fair, mine wasn't far off 12, but we'll talk about, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about my story, story. <laughs> next time. <Yeah. laughs> um, okay, so we're, we're going to have to wrap up, but um, I've really, really yeah. enjoyed listening to your story. Um, I just wanted to ask two uh, last questions. Um what would you say to yourself if you went back in time or to anyone listening about approaching sober life? What would be your, you know? I'd say don't delay, get on with it. Don't be scared. I'd say go and find your friends, go and find some sober friends on networks like Club Soda, Soberistas, and read as much as you can. But but mainly, like, don't, don't be scared. It's going to be all right. It's all going to be okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, do you have a favourite sober saying? Mm. The one that really got me out of uh, of, a, of a, a, a wobble just before Christmas a couple of years ago was I haven't come this far to only come this far. Mm. So I think whatever, at whatever point you get to, sometimes you can flag and you can have dips, and it's like, the, the, but this isn't the end of the story, is it? This can feel immersive, but I haven't come this far to only come this far. Where am I going next? So I, I love that one. That's really good. Okay, well, thanks so much uh, Thank for you. that. Um, uh, we're going to wrap it up and say goodbye now. Yeah. So um, uh, next time will be my story. Um, so I just want to really yeah say thanks loads for, for sharing with, with me. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. It's, it's, um, it's really good to talk about it, actually. Interesting, some things have come up that I hadn't realised until I said them. So, yeah, thank you. Um, Shall we sign off with our usual sign-off of if you're concerned about your drinking, you can visit drinkaware.co.uk or talk to your GP. Um, and in the meantime, have a lovely week and we'll see you next week for Mandy's story. I'm really looking forward to that and more chat. Bye-bye.